0: Hey everybody, Sonya and I are so excited to be moving into our brand new home in the next couple of weeks. And it's the perfect time because it's right in time for the holiday season. Christmas time in the nearer home is our favorite time of the year. This year, we're going to be making so many new memories with our boys Zayden and Zeke who are one and three years old. And one of the ways we're going to do it is through the Christmas Elf Adventure Kit. The Christmas Elf Adventure Kit is a 28-day kit of done-for-you elf scenes. It's amazing because each kit comes with unique and creative scenes that will absolutely blow your mind and save you some time, so there's no more stressing about what scenes you need to do to make for each of the 28 days leading up to Christmas. So you get to spend more time making memories this holiday season. If you wanna get your Christmas Elf Adventure kit, all you have to do is visit craftyholidayhelper.com to get your order, but you gotta get it quick because they are selling out. If you use promo code FAMILYMADE, You'll get 30% off of your order today. So make sure you get over to craftyholidayhelper.com. I am so excited about this special episode. Very special. I am going to read the bio of our guest today, okay? Okay. Dr. Shane Stanford is the president and CEO of JourneyWise and the More West Center for Applied Theology. JourneyWise was founded in October of 2021 for the purpose of equipping and engaging others to love Jesus and love like Jesus in the world. He served as a pastor and church planter for more than 30 years. Wow. He's a familiar face to many because he served as host of the United Methodist Hour, a television and radio ministry street which reached more than you ready for this ready 30 million whoa people, 30 million homes nationwide. okay
1: dr shane
0: come on <laughs> Shane was awarded a doctorate from Asbury Seminary in 2014 and holds graduate degrees in theology and ethics from Duke Divinity School. He's an accomplished author with titles that include When God Disappears, Making Life Matter, and Journeywise Redeeming the Broken and Winding Roads We Travel. We're going to talk about that one yes. today. Today, Shane leads the journeywise Christian faith-based media network which is dedicated to helping people start and strengthen their walk with Jesus. but most important most importantly Shane is married yes. to his high school sweetheart Dr. Pokey Stanford and they have they are parents to three young adult daughters Sarai Grace Smith did I say that right?
2: It's fine Sarah Sarai she gets called Sarah Rose. okay yes. I
0: apologize I didn't know Sarah Grace Smith. Julie Anna Gibson and Emily Lee Stanford, will you please welcome yes. to the Growing with the Nearest podcast, Dr. Shane That's Stanford.
1: awesome.
0: Welcome to the podcast. To the Thank podcast. you so much. I'm glad to be here. We are so glad that you're here and we're so glad that you you came from Memphis.
2: That's right. We well, our, our first grandchild was just born. Yes. And so I actually was in Knoxville where my daughter Okay, lives. so you were east. I was east. But, you were east. But usually I would come from Memphis. Yeah, yeah you are.
0: <laughs> Well, that's amazing. Well, we're so grateful to have you here Thank in you. Nashville. And so grateful that you've joined us. Um, you know, I want to start with a couple questions um, right off the bat. Um, So our audience can get to know you just a little bit more. I would love for you just to like, you know, tell us your origin story, you know, from the very beginning. Where did you grow up? Um, Tell us a little bit about your life and kind of how you ended up where you are today doing what you're doing.
2: Well, can I say first that y'all are just the the most delightful couple. (laughs) Thank you. You radiate joy. You radiate um, just the love of God. And it's just a wonderful thing to meet you. And uh, so I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Um, My story uh, begins, actually, uh, as most stories do, uh, when I was born. (laughs) Um, I was was born as a hemophiliac. Mm. And uh, for people who don't know what that is, um, I don't clot well when I am cut. And I don't heal well. Okay. Uh, in fact, it we know exactly it takes me forty six seconds to clot. It takes you about twenty seconds, so wow. it takes me twice as long, and the healing is the same. And so any problems that I've had in the past, and I was. And I'm considered mild. And so I was a little boy who was, you know, jumping his bike over the creek and yeah. uh, getting in tuffles outside and doing things that I probably wasn't supposed to do. My mother, uh, you know, I think about young moms. I don't know how she made it. Wow. Um, but, um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, sustained a lot of injuries that required uh, to have medicine. At first, it was a, an old synthetic medicine that was like a, a hormone that they used, that's the only thing they had. Yeah. But in the late 70s, uh, this miracle drug came out called Factor. Mm. And what it did is it replaced what I was missing that your bodies have to help oh, wow. you heal and decline. And the problem is, is that every dose, what can, was it took so many donors. It took about a hundred blood donors to make just one dose of this medicine. Wow! Oh my goodness! And at the time, of course, uh, they were not treating, uh, heat treating it. They were just taking the blood and making it into this factor, mm. and so uh, it was contaminated. We now know with HIV and mm-hmm. later hepatitis C, and I'm I'm both hep, I'm Hep C positive, uh, although I'm technically cured of that. The treatments uh, I went through a 108 weeks of chemotherapy wow. about six oh, years wow. ago, but doing great. My liver was over into stage four for cirrhosis uh, by the time that happened and has now regressed back to stage two. So it's it wonderful, very yeah. much. But, uh, and I'm also undetectable in my HIV status. Praise God. Praise um, so, but at the age of 16, you know, you wake up one morning and you're the captain of the golf team and president of your class and dating this beautiful girl in school and you go by your doctor who said hey can you come by and talk to me and he says you know you're you're hiv positive and Mm -hmm. at the time there were no medicines yeah Um, y'all are y'all i don't know if y'all are old enough to remember ryan white Mm -hmm. Um, he was a young man who Mm -hmm. hemophiliac they kicked out of his school in the mid 80s Um, it was a huge deal because elton john and others brought him into a concert, and really became a big deal. Ryan was six months younger than me. Uh, I didn't know Ryan, but uh, I know Ryan's mother well. I've spoken on, on several uh, tours oh, wow. with her.
0: That's awesome. But
2: um, it was just a disease that was so um, brutal. Um, it's a terrible way to die, first of all. Mm. Um, uh, it, by the time your body is completely beaten down, Uh, You probably have several cancers and viral and bacterial infections. You usually can't see or hear. I mean, it's really a pretty bad disease. Mm -hmm. And at the time, it was also scary for people because even though we knew how it was contracted, people really put a lot of stigma on this. And so when I found out at 16 and was told, look, you've probably had it five years already, around year six or seven, you'll start developing some illnesses, Uh, of that. And so I, he said, you probably have about three years to live. Wow! And at 16, I'm learning this news. Um, I'm very faithful in my church. Had a, uh, you know, I thought I'd, but, but kind of was in that negotiating stage of how you walk in faith where you go, God, I'll do all this if you'll do all this for me. And so I was in my balance there. I was uh, feeling like God had, you know, what did he, what had happened here what had i done
1: yeah um,
2: but the bigger issue was is you couldn't tell anybody about your hiv status mm-hmm. um, i remember my mother saying you know we only you and your sister and and your father can know um and i said well can i tell my pastor brother billy that he was such a big deal in my life and they, she said no because i don't know how people will respond mm-hmm. uh, there were hemophiliacs homes in florida two uh, the ray brothers are famous in our community their house was uh, f- bombed uh, because it got out that they were HIV positive and they're the same oh. age I am. So mm. it was during a time where it was very scary. Mm. So um, I just, I, I go on with life. Um, but every day after that, I, you know, I wake up wondering, is this the day when my body's going to turn on me? Wow. And, um, but I stayed, my, my numbers started dropping, but I wasn't getting sick. And so it was a matter of having to, do certain medicines, and they would try all kinds of experimentations on you. I've been experimented on more than Ooh, anybody you can imagine. Wow. I, I told someone the other day, I've been experimented more medically, and I've been anointed for my prayer more than anybody I would ever know. <laughs> Amen. You um, so, can only imagine. And mm-hmm. so, um, so, but medicine started coming out, and I started taking the medicines. My wife and I knew that God had angled us together mm. and so we wanted to get married because um, mm. she, she didn't know I didn't know how many how much time we had and we got married at
0: 19 so did she fi- end up finding out you told oh, her oh i told you her immediately that yeah. to and I, and, her. I, and,
2: I, and that's uh, the person that i told my mother we she has to know is yeah. my girlfriend okay yeah. good we were part of a ministry at the time thank goodness called Tr- a true love waits and mm. it was a ministry that talked about being faithful in your in sexuality Amen. and so forth and so we had waited. You know, we weren't mm. doing any of the things that could have killed her. Yeah. This could have been a disease given to her. Yeah. And God was very gracious in that. And so we got married at 19, and now as the father of three daughters, I would never let my daughters get married at 19. That's the craziest <laughs> thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> uh, but it was unusual. It was a different time uh, as well. It was. A it was different. culturally more Simpler. accepted. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, and, and you know, it was... Again, I was in a race against time. Yeah. yeah. Every day after that, it was time really was my enemy. Mm. And so, uh, so many of the decisions that have been made in my life have had to do with what happens next and how much time do I have to do it. And um, just to give you the uh, a sort of a, a point of re- relevance, um, there, there were 13 of us hemophiliacs in the region, the hemophilia communities broken into regions across the nation so we would all have people that were also hemophiliacs to be able to, to know and work with. I'm the only one left of the 13. Wow. And the others have passed away. And so I, I live with that knowing that, um, you know, the reason I want to keep writing and keep talking about what yeah. my journey's been is partly to share in their voices that they don't get a chance to experience this. Yeah. Um, and I know I'm going on, I'm sorry. No, it's, no, it's so fine. good. This is, this this is, is, this is encouraging. Is, this is so okay. many
1: people, I'm sure.
2: Yeah. Well, well, we, we get married. Um, i become a student pastor uh, at a little church in a small town in southern Mississippi. Don't tell anybody about my health. Again, you can't tell anybody. Um, and then we go to seminary. And uh, again, keeping the secret. Never had to say a word about it and just went on about life. And uh, the, my health was, I'm starting to experience some struggle and uh, during seminary. And so I uh, started to face some of that. But the biggest thing that happened is that at the end of seminary, close to the graduation time, I had to go do a, a physical in order to be ordained in mm. our church. And uh, on the phys- physical, they tested for HIV. And so it came out that I was HIV positive. Um, my church really struggled about ordaining me. I was ordained by one vote, it was That's 20 to 19. Um, that uh, they ordained me. And uh, and a lot of the reasons why those who didn't want to ordain me really didn't have anything to do with theology. Mm-hmm. Um, I had written my theology orders. I had, you know, done the interviews. Uh, it was because they were afraid of the money it would cost for mm. health benefits and death benefits for my wife if I were to die so young.
0: That's so sad. A-
2: and it is that, you know, that's that, that's one of the issues of the church. You know, the, the church can often yeah. miss the forest for the trees, most yeah. certainly. But... Um, so got ordained, won that, thought, wow, I'm on my way now. So, um, but, uh, so the word's out that I'm HIV positive, but we're not making a huge deal out of it. And I get appointed to this first church, a uh, little, little church of about 100 people in worship. And um, I was supposed to meet them on a Monday night. I drove from North Carolina where we were packing up to come home from seminary. And in the middle of the trip, got a call saying um, there's a problem. Someone called a special community meeting the day before and had heard that I was HIV positive. so the whole community comes together. Oh, and uh, they reject me as the pastor. Mm. and uh, you know, said that they wouldn't let me be around their children. You know they wouldn't mm. let me baptize. They w- one guy said he would rather uh, burn the parsonage down, mm. and he got in trouble for that for you can't make threats like that. <laughs> um, no Good. matter what. Wow. But um, yeah I went on to that meeting. And it taught me then that the power of what's happened, the power in what's happened to me, the story that I have to tell and be faithful to tell for as long as I'm on this planet is the fact that Jesus works in the midst of our struggles, not, be- wow. not because of them, but works in the yeah. midst of them mm-hmm. so that no matter where we are, he is there. And that's the first truth that you have to understand and know. He never leaves us. Mm-hmm. And I felt that particularly because they sent me to go on and meet with the church the bishop did. Yeah. I, I thought they'd lost their minds, but uh, <laughs> I went and did it. And wow. I actually spent that night ministering to them because wow. they were so torn up. They knew what they had done was not, it was not, it was not like following Jesus, yeah. but they had done it out of their fear, which is what people do. Yeah. So I ended up getting, getting sent to a church that is sort of like a holding church. It's the only church that would take me. I went to be an associate. And then two years after that was asked if I'd be interested in planting a church in a small town of about 7,000 people. And I said, I will, but I have to go talk to the editor of the newspaper first. And they said, why? I said, because I want them to do a story on the HIV positive pastor who's coming to town. I want everyone to know it. I don't want there to be any secrets. I don't don't want anybody to be able to hold community meetings and, and not know what's going on. And we did it, and I started that little church with twelve people. And when we left, there was a thousand people who went to church there on average. And it's a wonderful group of people. And they, mm. there, there, you know, there's always fears when you have someone who has a, con- a condition like I do. I, I've had people over the years that, you know, really would ask, you know, well, when you baptize my baby or this, and, and I totally <laughs> get that. I've been yeah, a parent yeah. of small children, and I understand everything scares you and um but again it was about telling the story faithfully yeah um, the biggest issues i've had over the the years really fit into two categories the first is because i was at war with time i was always t- trying to do as much as i could to prove that their trust in me and that their investment in me was not uh, was worthwhile yeah. and and i ended up because i spent so much time with the church about The sixth year into church planting, my wife and I nearly got a divorce. It was a terrible situation. We had Mm. had two children by then, and had done a procedure that she would not get sick and the children would not get sick, and so they're completely safe. A lot of people ask that when they hear that I have children. Yeah, Yeah. and um, and we had to make a decision, and and I thought, and it's so sad at the time because. It wasn't that it was a, it wasn't an affair that was happening out here. It wasn't, you know, issues over, even issues of of, um, being able to live together. Yeah. Compatibility. I couldn't find the word. Mm -hmm. It was because I had made the church into an affair. Mm -hmm. And so instead of following Jesus, I had become very focused on, on, on Jesus' people, which is a great thing to do yeah. as long as you keep Jesus above it <laughs> yeah. and keep mm. your family above that, yeah. yes. abo- above the people. You know, yeah. Because I, right now my priorities are always Jesus, um, my family, and then the work that I do. And that has yeah. to be those priorities. At the same time, I started having to take some very nasty medicines, um, mm. just uh, terrible things. They call them cocktails. And um, uh, I take 27 pills a day still. My body has been through so many medicines. You'll see the commercials today that you only have to take one pill or one shot every other month. Now, I can't take those because my body rejects these new medicines. And so I'm hanging on with these, these certain medicines. But at the time, these were causing blockages in my arteries. Wow. And I ended up with a 99% blockage in the what they call the widow maker, the lower anterior descending mm. artery in the heart. Had to have open heart surgery at 36, um, mm. nearly bled to death. Um, uh, the, the, it happened on the Monday after Easter was surgery on Easter afternoon. Uh, I brought my three little girls in and uh, and told them goodbye in case wow. I didn't make it. And mm. y'all are young parents, and you can only imagine I can what only that's imagine like. Can only imagine that. Yeah. And um, and it again, it much. was another. I kept I kept bargaining with God though, and there's there's a, there's a reason why I'm telling you that. I, I'm a great bargainer. I'm a great negotiator. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, when I'm not making suggestions to him about what he needs to be doing <laughs> and how he needs to be doing it, I know y'all don't know anybody like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely but, not uh, me. <laughs> but. Um, I kept saying, you know, if you, you know, if you if you'll get me through this, I promise you I will be the best husband and the best father that I can be. And and he was he was gracious, and so I never have forgotten that and I really Amen. had I, that that saved our marriage wow. because it it helped to redirect the priorities of what had to happen. Um, I came out of heart surgery um, and the medicines have really been the issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people who've gone through chronic illness will tell you it's the medicines. Yeah. Um, and while they were mm-hmm. trying to get medicines that could help us, um, it would end up hurting because there would be something that it would do to other organs yeah, besides that makes the sense. disease. Wow. Um, and so mm-hmm. um, pancreatitis, I had it three times. It is terrible. Mm. Um, you, If you name it, I probably have gone through it uh, to be honest. But then, um, started dealing with liver issues because the hepatitis was set dormant for 20 years and then all of a sudden cranked up around 2010 my liver started going through cirrhosis um, and we were in a race against time they had just come out with the new treatments that they're doing now and uh, i went to mayo clinic got an appointment at mayo went up there uh, 48 weeks failed Because the medicine that they were using caused a hemorrhage uh, behind my right eye that ended up having to take my right eye. Oh, Oh, wow. And, um, Mm -hmm. but we found other treatments. So 108 total weeks, my liver um, was cured. Wow. uh, Praise God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And over time, the medicines that we found a good cocktail. And so I'm undetectable in my HIV. Mm -hmm. But as a hemophiliac, I'm now a 50 something year old hemophiliac who has, who's, lots of injuries and lots of that's why I walk like I'm 95 you know I don't stand up straight anymore um, my mm-hmm. golf game is terrible now <laughs> um, I, I'm losing sight in my my good my remaining eye um, and so you know on the surface on the surface it um, it, it looks it can look very difficult the struggle mm-hmm. is very apparent but I told someone yesterday that um, I wouldn't trade it I certainly wouldn't want anybody else to go through it and I wish that I had not gone through it, but I wouldn't trade it now for anything Mm. because it's taught me things about life and about the value of life and about the value of relationship and the value of your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with the people who matter most to you. Um, And it it also has taught me about time. You know, in my war against time, that that went on until Mm. about seven years ago, Mm. and I was on a mission trip uh, to Ensenada, Mexico. Uh, We were building houses, working with a church down there. And um, I had had these, I, again, I had gotten into a period of going, okay, God, if you'll let this treatment work, find something that works, God, I promise you, and I would go on about all the promises that I would make. Mm. And uh, I, would, I preached that uh, Wednesday night that we were down there and with the translator, and the, the pastor's wife came up after it was over and said she wanted to pray and anoint me. And, like I've said before, I've been anointed a lot. I can only imagine. Okay. Can only but I'm like, let's anoint him after. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I'll still take it. Yeah. But this was a little different because we, we called her Pastora. That's the name that we were given. And um, when she came to pray for me, I noticed that her two sons got behind me. And I thought, my first thought was, I grew up in a church that was very, very traditional. And if you raised your hand, they thought you had a question. You know, there was no praising. <laughs> yeah. There's no praising. That was my background. And, uh, yeah. and so um, when they go behind me, I thought, oh my gosh, she's going to. She's going to Benny hand me. That, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what she's thinking. She's going to touch me, and I'm going to go out. And so I got so worried about <laughs> embarrassing her. And I'm thinking in my mind, okay, what can I fake it? What can I do? And she touched me, and I went out. Wow. And had this experience that I praise could, God. I All I heard was this voice saying, Shane, it's about me, oh. and I believe it was the voice of Christ wow. saying you, to me, Thank I don't you, need you to negotiate. I'm already there. I'm already where you are, and knowing where you are, and um, and and I've been with you the whole way, the whole route, and um, and so I came out of it, and it uh, had scared my. Ten-year-old daughter at the time, she—I could only imagine. She thought, she thought she thought that yeah. Pastor had killed me. You know? So <laughs> uh, my other and I had thirty church members with me on this trip, so they all witnessed it. Uh, and you know, when the the anointing of the Spirit happens, there's someone else out there that will experience it as a way to witness to it. Yeah. And uh, my worship director's son experienced it. And, and went back in the pew when he saw it and kept feeling this, this presence around him. It was a very powerful situation. A lot of people still talk about it. I of course still talk about it. But that night um, my 10 year-old daughter came to me and, and she said, um, Dad, I I heard, I heard a voice. and you need to thank God for your struggles. Mm. And it's the first time that I actually actually voiced and said, thank you God." For my struggles, thank you for my diseases. Thank you for the problems that I've felt. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and my, my Emily is our, is my baby. Uh, mm-hmm. She's a, a sophomore at the University of Arkansas right now, and um, but she was the one that, that that I spent the most time with. Her mother is a professor, or, or my wife, and and so uh, she was working, and uh, so anyway. Got real close to her and she was the one that I was worried about. And so I know that God used her as a way of knowing and getting my attention. And yeah. so that whole experience was game changer for me. Wow. Mm-hmm. And um, and really journey wise, the book is about being thankful for the road. Yeah. Wherever it leads you. Yeah. Wow. So.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. First oh of goodness. all, thank you for sharing your heart and your yes. story. And you know what's so powerful about media is that there's so many people going through so many things that they might not be able to relate to the diagnosis, but they can be re- they can relate to, you know, feeling stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, they can relate to terminal illnesses. They can relate yeah. to chronic illnesses, and I think that that perspective shift of that encounter that you had with the Lord. I mean, how powerful is that? You know, that could save somebody who's listening ten years of you know you know Mm -hmm. unmerited struggle if they would just have a
0: yeah of wandering
1: of wandering if they could have Mm -hmm. a perspective shift and gain some tools and one of the things that i'm so excited to talk about that's within your book um is i don't you know we might have a lot of listeners who don't know what the beatitudes are Mm. but that is you know the basis of your book and so could you share about what are the beatitudes and why are they so critical to the believer's life
2: well, most people have heard of the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was Jesus' major opus uh, sermon uh, where a lot of the key teachings that we know of Jesus began and started. At the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, he gives this sort of poetic um, a verse of, of, of intro. And they, these are eight blessings because the word beatitude is from the Latin which is from the Greek, which is from the Aramaic uh, blessing. Mm. And, um, and he gives those eight blessings and the, the eight blessings are sequential. Mm. He's, he's before he teaches any doctrine about because he goes on to talk about prayer. He talks about adultery. He talks about worship. He, I mean, he talks about all these things that, that we coordinate and work in our life for the relationships and covenants we have. But he starts though by saying, I want to, I want to tell you you're blessed, but the, the things he says you're blessed in, you have to really take a, a look at what he's saying because uh, the first blessing is uh, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Mm, yeah. And most of us, uh, first of all, think it, he's talking about blessed are the, the, or the poor. God, I do think, has a, di- a predisposition for the poor. Yes. Yes. But he's not talking about financial poverty. He's talking about poor in spirit. And he mm. uses the word for poor uh, that is the word for destitute, in, in the Aramaic. Mm. And so he's not talking about how, like, you know, my daughters keep asking me for money and I'm running out of money, that kind of poor. It's that I have nothing. Wow. And he's saying that blessed are those who empty themselves of all of their self-interest wow. so that God can fill up that place. Wow. And, and that's where it begins. And then he goes on to talk about, you know what, blessed are those who mourn. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's saying that you, you're blessed to mourn because you've invested enough in something to love it that you, you, you know when it's lost. Wow! How many people don't invest boldly and risk in loving and caring about something and someone because they're afraid of loss? But mm-hmm. Jesus says, you know what? Yes, death is, is it still hovers at 100% for yeah. all of us. and yeah. um, But it's, it's not the end. And Jesus is saying, but don't miss the blessing of what's happening now in this part of the journey. Uh, and you said something, uh, Sonia, earlier, um, most people, I hope, never will have to have the medical struggles that I've had, but we all have a road that yeah. we walk.
0: that's true.
2: And we all have detours and stop signs and yields and all kinds of and traffic and all these issues. And... That's where this the Beatitudes really are the wisdom values of Jesus. He starts mm-hmm. by saying, when That's you good. do this one, it leads to this, which leads to this. He goes on to talk about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Mm-hmm. And the word he uses for hunger is not like, oh, gosh, I only had two instead of three meals today. It's the word for having not eaten or drank anything in days. Wow. And he says, what would it be like if you hunger, if you were so hungry uh, that you hadn't eaten in days or you hadn't had drink in days— like for that, for God's righteousness in your life? Wow. What would it be like if you hungered for it, like you would have hungered for that food or that water? Yeah. That everything else was out, out of question except being able to get that. And so it then builds into blessed are the pure in spirit, you know, for, and he's, what he's talking about there is talking about how, you know, purity is, we've kind of defined it in terms of action. Wow. Yeah. But purity really is about relationship. It's about proximity, Mm. Because the closer you are to that which is holy, the more holy you will act and work. Because yeah. of that presence is so overwhelming, and so he's saying, "Stay in proximity to me, because I am pure, I am holy." Yeah. He says, "Don't be peace. Don't be peace lovers. Everybody can say they love peace. Be a peacemaker." Mm. Wow. And then he, but then he gets to the eighth blessing, which is the, the which is where a lot of this will make sense to people yeah. when you when you live this journey. You will have those who will work against you, who will persecute you, who will bully, um, who will be antagonistic. There will be obstacles. There will be difficulties. But keep in mind, I am with you, he says. Mm -hmm. You are blessed because even in the middle of all that, I
0: am with you. Mm -hmm. And it's worth the journey. It's worth starting out that journey. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's such a beautiful tapestry to build just a whole movement upon. And I think that's why, you know, when I, I, as I was reading everything that you're doing, um, it it feels like a movement. It feels like a movement that's happening rather than just like media or just like a good, good book that's being released. But it's like we're offering people almost, you're offering people a different way of living life in the current age that we're living in. Exactly. Yeah. And and it
2: is we would love for it to be more of a movement because this book is just a, a small section of what it means to walk with Jesus. We just take one part of the gospels. Yeah. But in October we will release uh, our our Bible study devotional which is 360-day journey with Jesus. Awesome. Wow. We took all the gospels, first chapter of Acts, put them in chronological order. We gave uh, questions the where are you questions we did a devotional with each day we do a prayer with each day we have bible studies for uh for groups who small groups who meet during the week we have family talks for families that get around the table about what they've been reading in the story and the journey with jesus but mm-hmm. in one year you read all the gospels and the first chapter of acts wow. and so i want journey wise ultimately is not just a book It is getting people on the journey with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I came up with this, this, I didn't come up with this phrase. I'm using this phrase because my mother's mother used Mm -hmm. to say it all the time around me. And uh, I finally asked her, I said, what is journey-wise? And I knew she had had a rough life. Uh, She had come from a really abusive situation. She married my grandfather, who was a hemophiliac too. Oh, really? But there were no medicines. And so he was in lots of pain Mm -hmm. over uh, just tons of pain and uh, became addicted to morphine and, and yeah. also to alcohol and was just not a good man. Yeah. Um, he was a forest ranger, there were some folks setting fires and he went out, uh, my grandmother had, had three children and was pregnant with the fourth and he went out saying I know who this guy is and he was killed, he was murdered. Oh, wow. And so she has a baby on the way, three small children. She goes back riding in a linen truck three nights a week to the local university, 45 minutes each way And becomes a teacher and teaches for forty years, second graders. Wow! And she used to say to me, "I would rather learn something from every step along the way than have been born the wisest person on the planet." Amen. That's That's beautiful. Yeah, she she was because she would always say, "You know, Solomon was born the wisest man ever, and boy, did he screw it up." (laughs) You know, (laughs) because he took for he took for granted what it meant to have wisdom, and Mm -hmm. so she thought every day Jesus will teach, yeah, teach me what
0: I need, and, and she lived it. That's yeah. a
1: nugget for sure.
0: Without a doubt. When did when did like the study of theology and like a desire for ministry arise in you?
2: You know, it was early. Um, uh, my family, uh, th- every Thanksgiving and Christmas, they'll tell the story about me coming home as a seven or eight year old after church on Sunday nights because we had church on Sunday nights. And mm-hmm. you know, now that's not as big a deal. But I would come home and I would set up chairs in the living room and make everybody come in and listen to my sermon. <laughs> I and, uh, love that. But but as I got older, I wanted I was going to be a lawyer, and in fact, I actually had applied to Duke for law school mm-hmm. and thought I was going to law school, and ended up going to theology school. And, um, and the I, I think that that's a wonderful question because I think Jesus, would give me little, it would prick my spirit throughout the journey. You know, we believe in prevenient grace, we Methodists, mm-hmm. uh, that God is, is going before you even before you know who's going yeah. before you. Yeah. And, and I think he was he was giving me these questions and these things that I wanted to answer. I wanted to know more about him. I wow. wanted to know more about not just what I believe, I wanted to know why I believe. So mm. apologetics yeah. has really been a big deal in my life that's for awesome. 45 of my years. Wow, oh, that's so uh, cool. And the first book I ever read was a, a little a little pop up book about explaining the basic apologetics, and uh, and so that is part of what I want people to be able to see that don't just think the beatitudes are are good for a refrigerator magnet or a keychain, they are poetic verse. It's like a song. It's very similar to the Psalms. Mm-hmm, Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, of course, is an Old Testament scholar. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he is. Yeah. He is. And that's so exactly he right. uses the a lot of the Psalm, uh, you know, um, motif in the Beatitudes, but they're more than that. Yeah. It, when you get to know them and feel them personally, when you really mourn something that you've loved so dearly, yeah, you understand that he says, that's how much I love you. I'm going to die for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it really starts to put a lot of things in very clear perspective, and so um, when my grandmother died, just to finish the story of the book, um, by her bed, um, I found five different translations that she, of the Beatitudes that she was reading every day. Wow! And I didn't know I don't, I don't I still don't know what the study was that caused her to do it, but she had picked out, you know, it was like NIV, New American Standard, King James, uh, uh, NLT, and and one other. That she was reading these translations, so I, being the the cousin who always thought he was in charge of all my cousins, <laughs> uh, I took them with me. I didn't even ask if anyone wanted her Bible and the and the beatitudes in it. Took those beatitudes, put them up on uh, the board in my office, and read them every day for a year. And that's mm-hmm. where Journeywise came
0: from. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, back just to the you know just like a follow up to the theology question along the journey, was there ever a moment where? Um, Within the within your studies and within all of the learning that you were doing, that it was like hard to be in love with Jesus. Oh, uh, your relationship with God is
2: very much like your relationship with your spouse. Mm -hmm. Um, There, there are. I don't know if there's ever a day that I'm not not in love with my wife in 33 years. That's so mm-hmm. special. But there are days I don't like her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, hey, and, talk
2: about and it. And there are, <laughs> and there are, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, oh, now, now, I am a certified marriage therapist. But, uh, yes, uh, put the anointing but, on us. Um, no, I'm just but, <laughs> but I will, but, And there are many, many days that she doesn't like me. Mm. But um, And there are times that I get frustrated with God. Mm. You know, it's very much, it is. that's why I think the marriage covenant on on earth is such a representation of the covenant yeah. that God's made with us calling us the bride of Christ. Yeah, But that relationship is very similar and so I think people are afraid when they get frustrated, when they have doubts. They get afraid and they, they withhold it in and say, God won't love me if I voice this question. And God's up there going, I already know what the question is. I just want you to be able to be in relationship with me to ask it. Mm -hmm. And some of the best things that my wife and I have done to grow closer have usually been when there's a question of a struggle or a frustration. Um, We're a lot better now than we were the first 20 years of, of talking, you know, and saying, look, I, I'm frustrated about this, and I just I need to talk about it. And uh, we were both the types that would put it deep inside of us, and it would come out at the worst possible moment. And I think we do that with our faith walk. You know, as long as things are going well, we are on top of the moon. When things go, go south, um, it gets very easy to blame God and I don't think we admit that we're blaming God
0: yeah mm-hmm. and
2: that also creates a, a real sense of struggle in us but you know Jesus is is a tough cookie yeah, yeah. Uh, he, uh, he he is not afraid of our of our doubts yeah. in yeah. fact I think that's the reason why in the garden when he says father I don't want this cup but I will do your will yeah he was saying to us he said I even had a doubt mm. yeah I struggled my humanity struggled yeah. with what my divinity had to do yeah and, uh, and yeah. it's such a powerful uh, you know episode that shows God wants to know and and feel yeah what that part of the relationship is like for us yeah, yeah.
1: that's so good I will mm. say that in your book you use so many stories to reinforce examples of what it looks like to walk out the beat- beatitudes in your life because I think that's so important because I think any any good hearted person is like yeah I want to be. I want to do all those things. I want to be pure in heart. I want to see God. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do I be pure in heart? And you give so many good examples of what that looks like in real life. And I think people can you know look at the book read the book and receive practicals to receive the blessings of the beatitudes right because we mm-hmm. can be willing but not know how to receive and i think that you do a great job dr shane giving examples and there's even in the back there's like a little devotional questionnaire thing mm-hmm. that's very helpful and then this is also an extension of resources you have online correct absolutely
2: we have yeah. other resources other books uh, this is my 19th book and and we have those available and but most of it goes back to the point of walking and loving and loving like Jesus. Yeah. And I'll just give you one example. I, I practice these myself. I don't, I don't preach something that I don't practice or don't yeah. want to practice or mean to practice. But just the other day, something happened, and I thought, okay, am I responding this way because there's more of me than there is of the Lord mm. that I'm not. I'm not emptying my own self interest, mm. and it was. And so I went back to this person and said, you know, I handled this terribly uh, yeah. because I, I I immediately responded out of my own self interest and not what God could fill me up and how to respond. That's good. And so it's a very practical. There's nothing that Jesus teaches, yeah, that it doesn't have a practical uh, experience with it. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah.
1: So grateful. He's such a great teacher. And I love watching him empower his lay teachers under the great shepherd. And you're one of those teachers, which is so special.
0: Yeah, without a Brian, doubt. Brian,
1: do you have any last comments or questions?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I got, a, I got an <laughs> iPad full. And then uh, all the conversation is is evoking even more questions. It's true. Um, I think that one of the concepts, you know, kind of, Kind of going back to what we were just talking about. One of the concepts you talk about in the book is when you of, of when you wander, journeying back. Mm. And so, I would love for you to talk more about that. For the moments when people in their faith, like we were talking about, they they're doubting or they have they have questions, or you know, there's a circumstance in their life that is, I mean, it's it's putting pressure on them. Oh yeah, you know, and and they're they're wandering. You know, can you talk to us about like, you know, how do we want? How do we journey back into a place of relationship with the Lord?
2: Well, I have a practical example of that. Uh, just the other day, um, my wife and I were driving about seven hours from somewhere, and um, the the um, gosh, I'm having trouble with words today. Ways, oh, yeah, uh, sent us off the interstate mm. into these back roads, mm. and I thought, oh my gosh, it's leading us into the middle of nowhere to leave <laughs> yeah. us. And what had happened is there was a wreck, and it had a way to be able to take us around the wreck. My first response was, I'm off the road. What, oh, my gosh, I'm not on the road that I know things, you know, what's going to happen? Are we going to get lost? Yeah. You know, what are we going to encounter? And and then my wife reminded me Mm -hmm. that, look, this is the job of Waze is to help us. I'm not promoting Waze, but any of those (laughs) is is to help you find the, the safest, quickest path. Yeah. not just the quickest path. And so one of the things I try to practice in my own life is asking the question, okay, where are you? Because W-A-Y is the way. Where mm. are you? When I am in a place that I know is is far from God and I feel it, then I know I'm, I'm lost. Mm. Um, but I know that he's also present with me. Yeah. Jesus doesn't let us go wander off. Uh, the, Luke 15 is a great example. The woman tears up the house looking for the coin. You know, the shepherd leaves the other 99 to go look for the one. The father, though he doesn't leave the house, is always looking the, at the horizon for the son. And the, the, I call that the lost chapter. And it is a reminder that God loves lost things. Mm. And he loves uh, us when we are lost and absolutely off the path. Amen. But I always am reminded, too, that because he's the one plotting the course, Wherever I've wandered off, He can wander me back, mm-hmm. and um, and so it, it again. I go back to the pres- practicing the presence of is this am I doing this driving, or is God do, doing the driving in my life? What has caused me to get off this detour? Is it something that God's working me around like the ways of the day, or is it something that I've taken this detour? Because I'm just thinking I can find my own way home. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it really is a sense of prayer. And the example I was going to give about this is 25 years ago, I started keeping a prayer journal. And so every prayer, every day that I put down for whoever it is, for any sick person, for any person, any request. And I have kept it now for 20 years, plus uh-huh. years. And as I've gone back, the blessing of that is, is I've seen where God has brought us back every time. Mm. He's answered yeah. every prayer, Amen. even in ways that we could not have imagined. Yeah. And so it's been that sense of, oh my gosh, he's given me forensic proof mm. that he's been working in my life <laughs> yeah. this whole journey. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. And I, that's the number one thing I tell people is keep a journal, a mm. journey journal. That's good. That helps you to, not so much in that time, because you're writing down, because Paul says, right now we see dimly. But one day we will see completely. I don't think you have to get to heaven to start seeing more clearly. I think 20 years later you look in that journal and you go, oh my gosh. So that happened that affected that, that answered the struggle I was in. And I, I see that all the time
0: in that journal. That's That's amazing. Quickly, uh, just like in the next two minutes, the book is broken up into three parts. Yeah. Can you just talk to us about those three parts real quick? Well, the the first part is
2: just kind of setting the stage so that they understand that even in the posture of Jesus is very important. Uh, A rabbi would not go in and stand up and teach. When a rabbi went, he would go to the highest part of where where the crowd was gathered and he would sit down. And that's what Jesus does. He sits oh, wow. down. And it's because of that that we call him rabbi. We don't mm-hmm. know if he had any official teaching. Wow. But he did the process of a rabbi at the start of the Beatitudes. And so it just, it's a sense of knowing who Jesus is and understanding the importance of following the journey then it's the eight blessings and then the the third part uh, which is the second part the third part is so how do you live this mm, and that's yeah. why i have the the study in the back yeah, which is mm, awesome uh, the study guide helps you to we go through every one of them with deeper questions yeah. accountability is a big part of this the other thing other than a prayer journal is find someone who's your accountability partner and i su- and i suggest your, your, your that should be your spouse number one but i suggest you find another one that can help resource as accountability yeah. in your prayer and, and your spiritual walk. I love that. That's amazing. That's awesome. Oh, my goodness. We're so, so can you tell us, Dr. Shane, yeah. sorry to interrupt you, honey. No, you're fine.
1: Can you tell us where we can order this, where keep people can find it and find more of your resources?
2: Yes. If you go to journeywise.network, mm-hmm. journeywise.network, or shanestanford.com, that will lead you to all the places, uh, of course, wherever books are sold or, uh, and uh, of all the online stuff, Amazon and, you know, all the Barnes and Noble. It's on Walmart.com, Target. Um, but the, you can get it wherever yeah, that's available. That's awesome. But the, the, go to the website and sign up to be one of our followers, yes. you know, to be one of the people working and walking with us. We call them journey partners. And, you know, we want people to be with us on that journey so that they'll get updates every quarter about things that we're doing and about the new resources. That's awesome. And JourneyWise
1: is out right now. It's out right now. So go get your book. Go get blessed.
0: We got it right here. Make sure you go and get Journey Wise Doctor Shane Stanford. We're so grateful that you joined us today. Thank yes. you for sharing your heart. Thank uh, you. We'll have to have you back on, but next time you got to bring Doctor Pokey. Don't worry, she <laughs> would love to come. Back. Absolutely, because I I would I know that. And then you we too. just have to
1: talk about marriage advice. Absolutely. <laughs> I know that
0: you two would both bless our, yeah. our, our, our <laughs> <33 viewers>. yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, once again, I'm just going to reiterate journey wise is out now. You can go and get it wherever books are sold.
1: All right, Dr. Shane, we always have our guests pray mm-hmm. because there's someone that's been listening right now. When you hear my voice, That something that we've said throughout this duration has pricked your heart. And we want to cover the seeds that the Lord is sowing into you so that you can receive God's grace and all that he has for you. So will you pray for us? Absolutely,
2: Gracious God, we just come to you um, humbly and thankfully, uh, knowing that your grace is beyond anything that we can imagine, that your love is greater than any struggle or problem, and knowing, Father, that you walk with us and that your presence, your holy presence is so palpable and so present. Father, I thank you for this couple. I thank you for the work and the ministry that they do in so many different areas of their life. But I thank you particularly for the NIRAs in their podcast because they're reaching uh, to those who so desperately want to know how to grow and how Mm. to go deeper and how to take the journey and be faithful in the journey. But, Lord, I want more than anything for people to know that the journey is joyful. Mm. No matter what roads or detours or, or stops you have to make, the journey is joyful. And I do know, Father, that for those out there who are going through struggle, we have a God who heals and a God who restores and a God who reconciles. And I pray that for those who are listening and for those who are part of this ministry. And I put a hedge around this ministry Mm -hmm. that no weapon of the adversary can can hurt it or harm it. And certainly not distract it. And I add that and ask it in the name of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen.